Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of PLC, Photographer's Lounge Chats. It's a bi-weekly show where we do it live on our Discord server. If you're watching this or hearing this anywhere else, make sure to check the show notes, show notes, show notes, where you can find links to the server and you can join us live. Of course, if you're live with us right now, you can see that there's another channel right above the one you're in right now, where it's called Podcast Chat. You can leave your questions there. You can talk about whatever you want about the podcast while you're watching. And some people are gathering the questions that we can address them during the show. My name is Jimmy. And today I'm joined uh, here with me with Eva. Hi. And online we have as well uh, Cedric. Uh, how are you, Cedric? I'm fine. Very, very fine. First day of vacation. Very happy. <laughs> nice. Uh, so today we're going to talk about editing, I hear. Is that true? Yes. That's yes. Rumor has it. We're nice. going to talk about editing. Cool. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, uh, I see a few people joined. The reminder, d- double check that uh, there's a podcast, podcast chat uh, channel. Mm-hmm. Talk to each other there and leave us questions as we go. I will be monitoring. So anything that comes up, I will be able to bring it up here. Perfect. So... Uh, Cedric have prepared a few uh, slides for us to look at and talk about. So let's mm-hmm. jump into those. Right. So what are we looking at here, Cedric? Yeah. So the first thing uh, I think uh, we hear when we talk about editing in general is uh, is editing, well, digitally at least, is cheating. That's one of the first things that you hear is cheating. I don't edit and those type of things. So, what I wanted to do is to have a conversation about um, a lot of the mystifications that are around the editing part of, uh, of the trade. And so simply uh, just here, I have a few pictures of enlargers in dark rooms, which is the tool that's used to make prints. So that's me. That is you <laughs> uh, right there, isn't ago. <laughs> and, uh, I had uh, an enlarger with the in my room, and also enlargers in the school I went to, and um, yeah, those those, those are, are the two. The that's school. what we call uh, a dark room, yeah. where you project the uh, light through the negative and uh, into uh, photosensitive paper to make to make a print. And, I, um, I wanna... a lot of things happen, as you know. Jimmy yeah. is a big expert Jimmy and Eva you're both big experts on um, analogs uh, on analog photography uh, uh, here in the server and on your own channel uh, so yeah there's a lot of things that have been transposed to the digital world and people might just not realize it mm-hmm. for sure I just want to ask you a quick question since we're we can see some of the pictures here uh, it's like famously known that you've seen it in the movies as well there's a red light. Uh, so what's that about? Uh, why, like, is it is it okay to open your film camera in there, or what what is the purpose of the red light? Yeah, uh, no, uh, yeah, as uh, yeah, I, I found the question funny coming from you, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, so the red light uh, is only for for printing. You you can't you can't show the film. Hmm to any, you can't expose the film to any type of light because otherwise it imprints the, the film the film itself. So you develop it in complete darkness. You have to remove it either from the canister or the roll and put it uh, into a tank. 
mm-hmm. uh, and use chemicals to develop it. And once it's developed and fixed, so fixed means that it's not uh, going to be sensitive to light. It's not going light is not going to change it anymore. Then you go into a dark room um, where there's going to be a light, especially with a black and white film. And um, because the, the paper used is uh, not going to react much uh, to that type of uh, wavelength. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will, with time, if you leave paper out in the open in the dark room next to the lights, there's- It will pick up something. If you leave it too long, mm. you, you're gonna see uh, the thing. But if if you ju- just do the taking the paper and putting it on the en- enlarger, Basically, it's a, a projector, the mm-hmm. enlarger. Yeah. And you project, you reproject light, and from the negative, you get a exactly. positive. It's a top-down projector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then, yeah, that's this one is, you can, this is specifically you can like for the side cool. and, and project on walls if you want. Nice. Yeah. That's if you want to have a bigger projection. Mm. Yeah. And this all is strictly black and white. If you want to do color as well, printing, then you have to do it in complete darkness as well. Right. So, but we don't, we're not going to go too deep into, uh, we're obviously like all of us here geeks about this stuff and we would love to talk about it for ages, but this is not what we're talking about. Um, uh, so, but it's, it's basically you wanted to, 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 to tell, to tell us how manual it was being in a dark room. There's a lot of techniques that you would use that you, after working digitally as well, you can find it. Like for example, in Photoshop, the uh, tools dodge and burn these are terms that also exist uh, in the in the in in the dark room as well as a lot of other things uh, that yeah. exist there originally right. it comes from there yeah actually. so like the that that purest view in in the sense that or the claim that a, a real photographer will, who would like follow tradition or classic ways will not manipulate their images that is false. false. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even false. Yeah. Even Indeed. if we're when we're and talking so before the podcast, try to bring uh, a bit of perspective. Yeah. On that. So yeah, we were talking about this before the podcast about how Ansel Adam, who's who's one of the fathers of straight photography, basically that like directly no manipulation uh, to the image in terms of stylizing and stuff like that. He still did a lot of work in the darkroom to make his images look as close to reality as possible yeah because sometimes you have to edit to make it look like you saw it with your own eyes is that right mm-hmm. and it's it's also it's the same in digital you have like uh, there are errors from the medium mm-hmm. that you're using either film or um, or, or 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 the sensor itself mm-hmm. that you need to correct so if you want to be as close as possible to reality it's it's a fine thing to want to do but it involves editing of course you can't you can't really go around it uh, i think uh, like a lot of the appeal of hdr photography for example <laughs> is that it will make the photo closer to how you see it with your eyes because like our 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 eyes have That's a more high d- dynamic range for than sure. most cameras yeah. so people yeah, some people might take it too far, <laughs> but that's maybe their taste. That's that's you know that's up for debate if it's too much or too little when it and comes some, to HDR. Something that's really interesting that you mentioned HDR is like 15 years ago, HDR is basically what we can do now with sensors because the 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 dynamic range has tremendously evolved and it's gotten larger with new uh, with uh, newer sensors mm-hmm. so like uh, 
the camera I had like 15 years ago, maybe at eight EV of dynamic range. And the ones I have now have 14. So it's what we, the HDR, what we used to do like 15 years ago is not the same at all as the HDR one would do today. Right. Uh, so now um, we're looking at the screen. I think we talked about this uh, slightly. De I see here some dodging happening. So what is this thing, the the, the, mm -hmm. the technician, let's call him darkroom technician. Is that you or some of your friends? No, 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 it's a, that, that's a slide. Uh, it's a screenshot from oh. uh, the... Um, war photographer. Uh, ex, ex, yeah, war photographer, which is Christian. an excellent uh, documentary about uh, James Nachtway. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so it's it's the part of the documentary where you see the, the printer uh, working for James and he's sending him in and out of the dark room like maybe five or six times just to change tiny details on a big print for one of his uh, exhibitions mm -hmm. and so you see him using like the uh, the dutch tool um, in the i don't know how it's called in english but in french we, we call that araignée so it's a spider mm -hmm. basically and it's it's basically masking it's masking parts so that it's not exposed to light mm -hmm. for the same amount of time than the rest of the, of, of the paper. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we do with with levels and curves and, and adjustment layers in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. We just mask it, but it's so much easier now because you just have to click here, a few times. Here at the bottom, you see they're making a, a bigger adjustment in terms of size on the image. I think what they're doing is they're putting their hand on the light source Ooh. to create a bigger shadow. Yeah. So that all... It, so basically, for uh, for those of you who never tried to work in the dark room, the more light that hits the paper, the darker it's going to get. Mm -hmm. Because a negative is the reversed color, so everything that is white becomes black and black stays white because the paper is white. So if you want to make a spot of the photo brighter, you uh, stop the light from hitting it and that it will stay brighter. Because, if the, again, if the light has more contact uh, with it, it will go darker and darker as time passes. So that's why people would would do such a thing. And that's the same thing basically with dodge and burn tools in Photoshop. What they do is that they locally increase or decrease the exposure. Yeah, exactly. You can also do it in Lightroom actually. Yeah. Photoshop. Um, Film manipulation. <laughs> this is cool. When you think like, yeah, I should not be removing things from my photos if I want it to be a proper photo. They did a quite yeah. a not bad job for the not for bad, the time. Yeah. I think it's, it's directly cutting into the film and trying to patch things. It's very uh, um, how do you call that? Uh, it's a craft. It's a type. Yeah, it's a do-it-yourself. Trying to, trying to to get it work because the pressure was immense. Like get that guy out of my picture and then okay boss we'll, we'll try to do it uh and it's and in the soviet union you've got a lot of um of uh, examples of that because stalin did a lot a lot a lot of it requested a lot of it to uh, to be done so the idea that removing things from uh images is a new thing from the digital age is is completely wrong it has happened people have played around with the the medium for for as long as it exists is basically that's how they improved um, their yeah their craft their uh, their skills definitely and also I mean the part of 
before with analog photography, if you wanted to try something new, you had to experiment, you had to test, you have to change things. And from those tests and those even mistakes, sometimes new waves of art will come from that. So I think manipulating photos is completely a part of the process, either personally, but also as a craft in photography. That's how photography has evolved throughout, I don't know, the 150 years that it's been out more or less. Cool, but let me ask you both this. Do you think it has, this all sounds lovely, right? It sounds <laughs> lovely. It sounds so beautiful. But is there a dark side? There is a dark side, obviously. All right. You, One are, of the dark sides, it would be deception. For example, if you can uh, manipulate the photos, you can maybe recreate reality for your own w will and wishes. Okay. And that could be used as a good thing or as a bad thing, as we know, every... Power can be used in the wrong way, right? Very interesting. For sure, yeah. If you're a journalist, for example, yeah. you can twist the facts because yeah. people will assume that this photo is a representation of reality, for example. Exactly. But then if you change it, mm -hmm. then you're, you're, you're falsifying evidence, it's, basically. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're recreating. All right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big no-no in the photojournalist yeah, world photo journalism. to manipulate your, your, your images. And yeah, so... Um, I think it's fine to do whatever you want, especially as a hobbyist who has no pressure on their shoulders. Um, but just be honest about it. We, mm -hmm. If you remember a few years back, there's been a Nikon um, contest. Yes, mm -hmm. yes I remember. A, a guy photoshopped a, a plane into a shot that looked so The well buildings, timed. like, like was, in between the buildings, the plane was coming in. It was kind of like a down top shot uh -huh. like this. And then it turned out that he had photoshopped the plane in okay. to that. So he was, had taken the original photo with the buildings up into the sky and then he had put... The All right, so what's, what, what's the problem there? Why, why, why was it not okay to do so? I think there's no problem at all in a vacuum to, to do it yeah. but okay. if it's to try to win a contest where other people assume you should not manipulate your pictures it puts you at an unfair advantage in that context but okay. in itself do whatever you want no problem but it's interesting because if 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 they did they specify in that contest that you're not allowed to edit yeah and then they went ahead and edited regardless. So they, yeah, they, it was know. it was basically fusking, like a, uh, yeah, like cheating, cheating. Fusking. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's, that's a, in Swedish. That's Swinglish. It's not even no. Swedish. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, cool. Uh, All right, so you should be so basically the, what what you're telling me is that if you should know as a photographer if it's okay to manipulate the images depending on where they're gonna end up. Yes. So, so exactly. be honest about it. Basically, is what what's your best bet. Mm -hmm. So, what would you? How would you pre present? Let's say, um, if it's not so clear that you are a digital artist rather than a photographer. Yeah. Let's say because, like, let's say, mm -hmm. okay, so is a photographer adding and like because we see this example with Stalin is is a is a bit of an extreme example. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So, but but the technique is not nothing. It's nothing new. So so yeah. that's I think that's a fair point. But I think this is an extreme example. I w I'm wondering: is there a line between a photographer and a digital artist that uses photography for their uh, creation? Like, is that a is the, it, as, it, as, the as a category? Mean, yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. for example, a war photographer, a wildlife photographer, who basically Digital. they just go and take their shots. And then they fix the colors a little bit, you know, like Ansel Adams style, basically just making sure the levels are Correct. up to their yeah. taste. But then 
there's another photographer who's basically adding and compositing and doing all those kind of stuff, merging five, six images together to have a picture. Is is that still photography or are we talking about a different field of art? Is there a point in drawing a line between the two? I, I Personally, I think there are many different styles of photography. I think, though, I think there might be a line that I would start considering that, okay, this is more, this is more uh, digital art mm -hmm. that uses photography rather than photography itself. Um, but I'm not too much into policy, policing what people um, do as individuals. So, uh, so um, I will be able to recognize what type of picture uh, is uh, it is. What I don't like is uh, um, when you're dishonest about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, with the examples we cited earlier, mm -hmm. um, I think the line will be personal. There are people who will be much more strict and people will be very loose with it. And yeah, I think that that, that is very personal. I think but what's important is you should not lie, basically. Yeah, but I, I think it, it's important to know yourself in a way, um, like as a as an upcoming photographer or an artist in general. It's it, I think it's important to know how to classify yourself not like it's not about how people classify you or how people see you or how people criticize you or any of that no but what i'm thinking is let's say you're an upcoming photographer up and coming and you know you're trying new stuff and you're learning and you're advancing but at the same time eventually maybe you're trying to get a career in this maybe you're trying to build a name for yourself maybe you're trying to you know get jobs you know, so for example, uh, a photographer like uh, Gregory Crutzen is the name. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, Gregory is uh, famous for basically setting up his shots. Uh, it, there is no lie about it. It's actually uh, pridefully done. You know, there's a documentary that he was a part of about his way of making photos. And the photos are shot on 8 by 10 And they usually shoot like 50 negatives of the same frame. And then they composite all of these together. And what they do is they close whole streets. Like they, they close. Cities, yeah. And they set up the whole thing. It's like making a movie. They have basically. a light on it. Yeah, it looks... Any any photo set of his looks like a movie set. There's like 60, 70 people on the, on the set working with walkie-talkies and stuff just to make one picture. Right? So when... So if you want anything like that, you know, I mean, Gregory is a fine artist. He's doing his own vision. But I know if I want something like that, I can commission Gregory Crutzen. He's the man for the job. You know what I mean? Uh, for example, your friend, um, uh, Regis, yeah. Regis, we talked to him. Uh, he's a straight photographer. Basically, he goes into the areas where, you know, awful things are happening and he wants to tell the story and he's not into making the shot attractive in any way. He's more important of the story, of the document. He's a journalist. And so if I want something like that, I know I talk to Regis. He's, he's the man for the job. I'm not going to ask him to make a photo set like Gregory Crutzen. Both of them are photographers, but they're very different photographers. And they're both very straightforward about what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's important to identify yourself at least when you're putting your work out there that this is i'm a composite artist i can make beautiful images from snippets and i think it's the art i remember growing up 
I had some friends who would make these amazing boards of like cutouts from newspapers. Mm-hmm. They Collage. look collages. They look so amazing. I never made a collage in my in my <laughs> growing up. I didn't even know where to begin. And I always found them so fascinating. So I don't think it's a knock on somebody if they composite images, especially if they do it uh, like tastefully, you know what I mean? I just think that you should own it. That's what I'm trying to say. This is what I think Cedric also agrees, is that the, 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 uh, the wrong thing is to, to say that you made a photo or equalize... Uh, let's see how I explain this. To say that the photo you created, it was done with the same skills of the same techniques as someone else that doesn't do the editing that way. Because you are comparing two things that cannot be compared, right? Yeah. And then you are putting yourself like, oh, I'm so good that I can do this with the same equipment and the same things as this other person without being honest that you are doing so much more to your photos afterwards. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, where the where the wrong line is, right? Mm. If you edit your photos to hell and back and you create a beautiful product, that's great, own it, mm-hmm. but be honest with your process and don't try to come off as like, I created this great photo just going out there and clicking, flip and put into the computer and that's it. Right. Because it's not true, mm. you know? And then that's deceiving also to people that are learning, that are coming into photography, that they believe that those kind of things can be done. And then they think less of themselves if they are not able to get such a, such a result, you know? I agree. So th- to me, this is the wrong part about editing. Do whatever you want with your art. Put your fingers into paint and paint a wall, but just be honest about the way you do it, mm. so other people can also learn from it. From it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you? Uh, that's that's why you have to learn about how editing is the importance of editing in the in the <laughs> making of of the product. Yeah. If we can't call it a product, if you're if you're working or or the artwork or, or whatever, you you have to be if whatever your your level. The fastest you uh, you you realize what gets put into making uh, such a, a thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how much time is spent is spent on it uh, definitely will help you identify those people who are less honest, and you'll you'll be able to to, to realize, yeah, okay, if I want to do this, maybe I need to uh, to be more patient and work. Mm-hmm five three three five years on on really learning the editing techniques and getting better at it and so you're less um as a beginner you're less um hard with yourself if because if you know how far the the goal is you you don't have to feel bad because you can't do it right away mm-hmm. true this is a good point indeed all oh. right we've been staring at stalin for way too long yeah all right, so what are we looking at here? I feel like I've seen this before. Uh, yeah, it's... Okay, uh, before we start, <laughs> the, like, uh, these from this... during the, fl- the Belgian I have, I have uh, a, a question that I think can be a good segue yeah. for this. Because okay. a lot of people come into photography and they are like, um, all right, if I want to be a photographer, do I actually need to edit the photos? And if I have to edit the photos, do I really have to shoot raw or is JPEG okay? Right, there are a lot of people come in and they're asking that. So, what's the difference between shooting in JPEG in my camera or shooting RAW? And do I actually need to edit 
my photos and i think we already asked answered this this last question yes you need to edit your photos if you you, you, you can you can Feel free you to. can <laughs> you can edit your photos you know like it will probably elevate your game and elevate your results if you edit your photos than just right out of camera yeah. and it is because it has been done since forever since photography is photography people have been editing the photos this already answered mm -hmm. so now what is the difference between shooting in jpeg and shooting raw right so uh, definitely, um, yeah. I think I think you, if you ask me, I think you should shoot raw. Though there might be, we talked about this uh, in voice chat earlier. Um, there's situations in which JPEG can can be useful, um, but yeah, the difference is uh, JPEG is uh, is basically an output, uh, a, a pre. There has been there has been. It's, editing. There's been there has effects been applied editing to, uh, to yeah, pictures exactly. being output in a lossy uh, format. Mm -hmm. And while the raw retains all the, the data that the sensor uh, captured, and so that means you can edit it non-destructively, which means you can go back to it, you can change your mind, you can... Uh, while anything you do to a JPEG, if you save, you start uh, putting into the code of the image, start putting errors, and the more you save over, over it, the more it degrades, and it's just um, it's just not the professional way of, of, of editing. But as I said, there are um, situations in which it can be useful if you work in events and you need to put a lot of pictures out quickly to... Uh, um, to people doing the communication and whatnot, and they will just put filters on on the JPEGs, and it can be fine, but only in those types of, of situations. Uh, but I've known I, I've known uh, professionals who were like, "Now nah, I'm only gonna shoot JPEG." It's a bit yeah, it makes the teeth go a bit like. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, my opinion. I, I see JPEG is a bit like you are leaving to your camera the first editing of the photo so actually your camera is editing the raw file to give you a jpeg mm. so you are basically bound to yeah you might have a camera that has a lot of nice settings you know these things that you can change which is either like the shadows or the highlights the or white the, tones, balance, the white the balance for example all that is it's an edition of your image that is being recorded on your sensor and then either you only have this edited one or if you have raw then you have the original one the OG. Yeah. so basically i'm gonna try to restructure the basics here for yeah. whoever is not familiar uh, when you take a photo with any camera the initial photo that's being taken is always raw then what your camera does to the file it basically applies a preset of edits to it and that creates a jpeg and then it gets rid of all of the other information that it doesn't need to have a jpeg so if you ever shoot raw you notice that the raw file is much larger than the jpeg and that's because you took just enough information to create that JPEG. Applied a few settings. So basically, um, it's in order for your JPEG file to be viewed on all devices, it needs to be encoded somehow. It needs a translation uh, to become viewable everywhere. Not ev all devices can, can show raw files. And so you only need reference points that are, you know, have specific instructions. So like the reds are this shade, the highlights are this, the shadows are this, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then, boom, you have a JPEG. Now, you can edit that JPEG further. But now, you're doing what, whatever you're doing is you're putting edits on top of edits. And that's why people usually tell you not to edit your JPEGs because they're going to break down. 
because you're not editing the original file, you're not editing the original information, you're adding references on top of references. Mm -hmm. And that's why, for example, if you if you have a, a photo of a sunset with a gradient, if you edit a JPEG version of that photo, you will see the gradient starts to split into bands mm -hmm. because there is no, not enough information in the file uh, to, do, to, to fill up this smooth transition. And there's a lot of other problems that you're gonna run into if you're editing JPEGs now. If you're someone who doesn't want to edit, look yeah. into buying a camera that has pictures that you like. So I know a lot of people love Fuji. I was I was about yeah. to say that example because I have a Fuji camera, one of my you know small ones, mm -hmm. rangefinder style. I love it, and actually I realized that some of the of the emulations that mm -hmm. are called so they are presets of how the the cam the photos are gonna look are beautiful so now mm -hmm. i realize that even though i do like editing my photos i really like these two i have one setting for black and white photos and i have one for color photos mm -hmm. and then i have my camera in shooting raw plus jpeg so i can always have one that is been done with mm -hmm. the camera color science editing whatever it is mm -hmm. and for most of it i love it like mm -hmm. i don't do anything else i get the photos and it's like I really like them because I really love how the camera pre-edits my mm. photos. You bring up a really good point. I say if you're not sure about how to work with RAW files, but you plan to do so in the future, or maybe you will, you're, you're, not, you're still unsure, always shoot RAW plus JPEG. And make sure you have enough space <laughs> yeah, to, to, to save the files. <laughs> and then one day, if you get into editing, you'll have all your previous shots in RAW file that you can now play with and maybe come up with really cool things uh, mm -hmm. down the line. I still edit a lot of my old photos every once in a while. I'll go back in my library and find something that I neglected or at the time I wasn't sure what I saw because a lot of times I snap a photo because I saw something there. But when I go home, I'm like, why did I even shoot this? I don't mm -hmm. see, I just don't see what I saw at the moment of shooting it. I visit it years later and I'm like, oh, Look what I did there. Nice work, me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I edit the file and I'm happy with it. But uh, so, yeah, always store your RAWs if you're... There is nothing wrong. Don't tell anybody tell you that you're wrong for shooting JPEGs. If you're happy with it, go ahead. If you plan to edit, then RAW is going to give you better images. You and everybody who's going to look at these images are going to be happier. Mm -hmm. So I think that settles it. Nothing wrong with shooting JPEG. No. If you don't plan to edit. Yeah. All right. That's good. Uh, so yeah, so here, I guess, Cedric, you put like Lightroom is a library and a role developer. So basically, Lightroom, it's able to read these images that come out of your camera that have all the information stored from the sensor, right? And then from there, you can develop your picture. That's actually what you do, even though it's a digital development. <laughs> yeah, uh, and... Um and it, the library part is um, is something also that's very uh, useful if we want to keep everything organized and be able to uh, seamlessly go from uh, from having your pictures in one place to editing them. But uh, Lightroom also has a limitation: is that it it's not what we would call a a digital uh, a darkroom. Mm -hmm. um, it has the tools that you can use in Lightroom are limited, though, with the consequent um, releases of the uh, the application, more tools have, have seeped in and it's be become more uh, more precise. But, but still, it's not Photoshop. It's you won't be able to uh, uh, 
to be super, super precise with it. But if you are just shooting, um, say, events and want to have a, a, a normal develop, as you said, it's developing. If we do an analogy with analog, it's just developing, but not doing the enlarger part in the or the film manipulation part. Um, then, um, then, then it's fine, and it has a big advantage. Is it can apply? You can apply one edit to all other roles uh, if you want it. Yeah. You can apply one edit to to the others, which is useful in batch editing. So if if you have the same lighting conditions for several shots, mm -hmm. you can just say, okay, it's basically the same. I'm just going to copy. Mm. my first edit you think so i have a general idea of what i want speaking of batch editing <laughs> what do you think about presets um it's a, it's super important to have your own mm -hmm. well super important it's very useful it's very useful uh, and uh, if you don't make your own um you're gonna lose a lot of time uh, especially okay. if you're on assignments on assignments and what what happens is uh, as i said like you get you have a shot and you see mm, the 10 or 20 next shot are going to be more or less uh, the same then i i edit one and i can save it and say mm, maybe i'll i'll have to reuse this type of uh, of editing further down the, down the line mm -hmm. but then there's a question and that's in the part until now i've i've been <clears throat> sorry no very agreeable with any type of photography, like in the discussion, like you can do whatever, I'm not bothered by anything. But <laughs> once you get into the part with presets, what happens is that people are selling their, their presets as the be all and all of like, you're gonna take shortcuts, your pictures are gonna look wonderful. And uh, and here are my, my presets, you get 70 for $90 or whatever. and uh, and people people just buy into that and i think it's a lack of education on what editing is and how you're supposed to use presets yeah and it's basically holding people back from learning from themselves and i think people choose that too because they don't want to put in the effort like subconsciously i'm not i'm not impugning them saying like you're lazy or whatever it's just like subconsciously when you see the mountain that is learning editing you can be discouraged and so it's tempting and so uh, there's a point where the the casual shooter meets the greedy uh well like mar marketing savvy Influencer. person <laughs> yeah. wants to exploit and so yeah. yeah especially in like commercial photography client photography weddings the market for presets is insane it's incredible the amount of money they ask for these presets and also like people realize that that it doesn't work for every kind of photo it that it doesn't it's not a one-click solution let when you get these presets you still need to work on them let me ask you a question both of you how hard how hard is it to make your own presets uh very easy super easy do you have to it's be a programmer it's easy. it's easy no 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 you have to so i have done my own presets for the client work that i do because mm -hmm. there is this specific way of editing my photos that i feel very close to me and i feel represents the photos i like taking and i like the button delivering mm -hmm. so once i have created a photo that i really like you only have to click two buttons mm -hmm. so all the changes that you do uh, in terms of like uh, 
different colors, hue, saturation, uh, any levels mm, in your shadows, in your blacks, in your highlights, in your whites, all that is gonna get saved. Mm -hmm. And then you can just click the button next time and it's gonna apply all those all those settings to a photo. Mm -hmm. That's what a preset is, basically. All right. So it's just like it saves all your settings. Yes, and all then the settings that you wanted them. to save, yeah. Right, all right. And is it also, uh, so that's on Lightroom, right? That's on Lightroom. Yeah. All right, what about you, Cedric? You're more of a Photoshop wizard. How hard um, is it to, to do it on Photoshop? Well, well, then you can, uh, Photoshop has, has its own raw developer plugin, which is actually, it's called um, Adobe yep. Camera Raw. Yeah. And it's actually, it's the uh, plugin that spawned Lightroom. Yes. Lightroom is built around uh, Camera, Camera Raw. Um, and so you have, to, it's the same, it's not the same interface. It looks a bit different. If you go to the next uh, next slide, you can see the, the difference. Um, um, it, it looks a bit different. The tools are a bit uh, placed uh, differently, but I, I find it more comfortable. I have my, uh, uh, my uses on, uh, that's on, a, on that's camera a, roll. That's camera roll, right? But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's basically the same. You can make presets, you can apply them, you can, can um, I tell? Can I tell? You see, it's the same picture, but you see my edit. Can um, I tell you I one thing the, really quick? The sliders have, have changed everything. By the and, way, um, wait, wait. I just want to clarify. Sometimes, if yeah. I if I talk, uh, I want you all to know that Cedric cannot hear me. He's not rude or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he cannot hear yeah. because he's on Zoom. I've done some tests before, uh -huh. and whenever he's talking, uh, yeah, it's you being, are deaf. I'm, yeah. deaf, I'm completely suppressed. <laughs> I, I just okay. wanted to say something about this before we we move on. The I just really love this thing in Camera Room. For the white Way balance? better yeah. than Lightroom. Yeah. Way better. Why is it different? I mean, <laughs> why would you make it so different? And here's a tip, by the way, in Lightroom, if you're using the color picker to do the white balance, you can resize it. Since we're on, because I didn't know this for the longest time. And if you <laughs> if you scroll up and down, you can resize the area of pixels that you're okay. sampling from. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. You go ahead. So this is um, now the this is the edit you did with Camera Raw. Uh, yeah, but then um, then the thing the thing and I think with what we uh, with regards to what we talked um, earlier with uh, the marketing of presets is that often there are the presets. What is shown of it mm -hmm. is the preset plus the time spent in Photoshop to make the image look good. Not to mention that those photographers usually pick the pictures in the best locations. Best lighting conditions. Yes, 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 definitely. The most exotic places that you need, like you need to go to Iceland, you need to go yeah. to, to the Lofoten Islands. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. They're not going to show the presets work on everyday pictures because they won't first. Uh, and, uh, and then there's, yeah, you spend to have the result, you do the you do your your editing, which can be saved as a preset. You open into Photoshop and you keep working further onto the, the picture. And Photoshop is just like endless possibilities. It's used for so many different things. That uh, here here's a tip that not a lot of people know about. You can create lot a lot. You know that that you can apply in video. You can create LUTs using Photoshop. So it's not just it's not just a few clicks and you make your own presets. You can make your presets and you can turn them into video LUTs as well. Uh, Photoshop is really powerful. I'm I'm assuming that Affinity I haven't tried. A lot of people love it. I assume that if you have the, uh, that, you probably can do the same thing as well. 
And here's another tip. Uh, if you like a preset and you want to buy it, uh, just steal it. And, you know, just take that image, put it in Photoshop, go yeah. to YouTube, how to match a image, how to match a colors, how to copy an image look. You'll see a bunch of videos teaching you how to basically make your own or like how to match a look to a movie scene. Uh, there's a different ways that you, a bunch of different ways that you can do it. And then when you're done, create the presets of everything that you've done. And now you can apply those to any image. And once you do it yourself, you will learn about the small uh, adjustments that you have to make to, to every image yeah. to actually make it look the same. Because as Eva and Cedric mentioned, you even when you buy presets or you download free ones or whatever, or you make your own, every image is going to have different levels. It's going to have different values. So whenever you make a preset, this is your histogram. And you're telling your... I'm simplifying it here, but you're telling your computer or your editing software to, to, to apply specific settings to that section of the, uh, to eat different sections of the histogram. But what might happen from one image to another is that your histogram might shift one way or the other. So your highlights or your shadows or your mids might not fall precisely in the same place. And therefore your preset needs to be adjusted yeah, exactly. Because you never start from the same sta starting point. Exactly. And I have even my own preset. That happens. Yeah, like if I have different light temperature from the beginning, you know, or something. It just it's different. You have to work with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I mean, again, it's fine if you just want to pay for it and not learn anything about it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of there's big photographers, even you know, movie makers. They have teams working. They send their work somewhere. You know, so if you want to do it, fine. You know, just know what you're getting into. I've seen photographers that send uh, their work, all of their work to different editors. Like they, they just jump between editors. Uh, well, I've, I was talking, I was in a conversation with this guy and he has a big following. He seems to be established and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't edit my photos. I just send it. I, I pick a different editor every once in a while. And that way I can see my work being edited in a different way. Mm -hmm. And also I give them a, a shout out. Like I give, you know, part of the beginners, process, yeah. you know, a chance to, sh to put out their, their work to a larger audience because that photographer doesn't see Instagram as a serious platform. They just do it for fun. Their work is with clients and in galleries and stuff I'm like that. Sorry, so for them, why not? You know, you want to here edit my photos. I'll I put mean, them on my Instagram. There are a ton of people that work. Is that like I get I get emails like suggesting like, oh, do you want to work with us? We're an editor company. If you want to get your your workload off a bit, you mm -hmm. know, especially when you know if some some people are shooting, I don't know, two three client shoots a day sometimes there's no more hours in the day to do to all edit. the editing and everything yeah. i mean we we talked about gregory crutzen as well just a minute ago uh he doesn't touch the editing he just goes into the room there's four or five people working there and they show him a bunch of different stuff he's like yes no yes no yeah. yes no change this do this do that bye I'll see you later and he comes back what do you think perfect everything i wanted you didn't and then he leaves the room yeah. and then you know he sees it sees it when it gets to the printer so you know, you, yeah. you can, if you want to compartmentalize, like if you want to buy it, sure, go ahead. It's your money. It's your life. I don't think that you have to do less work just because you have a bought preset. Yeah, but if you are a beginner and you want to learn, these people 
who are selling doesn't do not really care who buy their stuff. Yeah. As long as they sell, well, eh, that's the selling model. You know, they're they're not bad people. They're just they made a product that has a, you know, uh, a market, and they're buying it. But you, as a beginner, know what you're getting into. Know what you're gonna uh, expect. It's you're not seeing the full picture. If you think that it's one magic button that you click every time and your photos are gonna look amazing, it doesn't it's, always fit. Uh, I I know. I my only thing is that I I. I know that some of these people selling presets, they do take advantage of the ignorance of people. And instead of being proactive and teaching people how things are, they just leech on their ignorance and they and they try to sell them something that is not true. And that I'm completely against, you know, because it is it's not the way to learn. It's not the way to share. It's not the way to to bring the craft forward. That, I mean, I mean, in the, in the opposite, in, in the on the other hand. There's a lot of people on YouTube who will teach you how yeah. to do all that stuff. Exactly. For like on on for, as far as you're concerned, for free. All you have to pay is look at a few ads. Basically, yeah. you don't have to pay them anything. I can I can I is it okay if I plug a channel that I really like? Um, Go ahead. Uh, there's a guy called Pix Imp Pix Imperfect. Pix Imperfect. Yeah. I regardless of what the end result looks like. Uh, sometimes I like his end result. Sometimes he does the style that I'm not really a fan of. But he's really good at explaining things. And he has a ton of videos teaching you how Photoshop, to do yeah. everything on Photoshop. Uh, and Flern as well is Flern, another. Yeah, Flern is very nice. Aaron Enace from Flern, he's yeah. a really good teacher as well. Yeah, go and learn how to copy other images. And then you can your favorite movie, you can watch it and take a screenshot, put it in your Photoshop and just make your images look exactly the same. And that way you can do it precisely for every image. Yeah. Sure. and you learn and i think i think that's that's the crux of everything is to learn uh, what you're getting into and learn to see what happens and 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 learn how the world works especially with regards to uh, social social media you're not you're not in a kind a kind of relationship with the content creator you're you're into your clients Mm -hmm. to those to, to to those people and that's the type of dynamics you have to uh, to take into account also the fact that instagram is not an app that is made for the users the users are the the product they are the target and and so there's there's something that's hidden it's hidden of general knowledge usually and those types of and so when you look at uh, at a feed for for instance it's selling products it's selling a lifestyle it's showing celebrities um into their environment and it can be like real celebrities like a, i mean real like a like cinema or actors uh, uh, musicians but it's the same for for the photographers who made it on social media mm -hmm. they've become celebrities in their own right and they're selling you stuff you are the target Mm -hmm. And if if you if you're not um, the eyes wide open on that fact, you just can buy into a lot of weird weird stuff without realizing it. And that's that's what's important to me is that people realize that the people, some people they might idolize, have a, an agenda behind that might be it's okay. It's okay to be a businessman too. But uh, I find I find it a bit. When it's hard to realize what you're, what you're getting into, when you go into a store, it's clear, I want to buy something. Mm 
But when you're on social media, the, the lines get a bit fuzzy. And that's what I'm against, I guess. Yeah, well, social media itself is being fuzzy. I'm, I mean, Instagram has been under fire recently. I don't know if you've been keeping up, but uh, <laughs> it's, it looks like uh, all the photographers are moving somewhere else. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. going to Twitter. Uh, oh really yeah i heard about that but i didn't yeah i started posting on twitter like uh i posted a few things on twitter as well i didn't get any engagement i think Wait, i think some. i got a like from a like a big magazine emulsive one i think they like one of my photos but uh anyways um uh, i mean they're the cool thing see now this is i mean uh, the cool thing is that when somebody like that with a tons of followers like your photo on twitter it's shown to everybody else that follows them. The engagement them. is much different than in Instagram. Instagram yeah. is not designed basically to help you grow, while Twitter, the way it works, just because it's like it's it's something that helps everything on it go viral, whether it being a small text or whatever it is. So whoever, so you know how it works. Like if Elon Musk, for example, likes anything, is gonna show up on my feed because I follow Elon Musk, but not just me, millions of other people. So whatever that like button for him is a big influencing a machine yeah. it's a megaphone so if he hits like on anything millions of people has like there's a chance that millions of people are going to see that he liked that post and now they're looking at it and they would have not otherwise seen it and so uh, instagram the way it works is that for some reason it just decides what to show you but there is no organic way of controlling that. It's basically, you can But only if you go to the Explore tab. That's the thing. You need to be actively e seeking new... Pro e new well, even... Okay, so if you're following hashtags, it will oh, yeah, show you true. posts from that hashtag. If you, if you like a lot of people, it'll show you posts from those people that you follow. The Explore tab is just a mess. I don't even go there. No. Um, and even the stories, you can set notifications. So like if, if you're really a big fan of somebody... You, whenever they post, you get a notification from them. But as a new photographer, nobody's going to set notifications for, for whenever you post. And you have to somehow become viral to start. There's a lot of photographers that I follow that I never see their photos. Because I open Instagram, I look at six pic six picture, ten, 10 pictures max. And then I'm, I close the app. Because I get saturated. I can't see more than 10 it's anymore and appreciate them. So I look at first 10 pictures and I get out. And if I, you know, and a lot of my best friends, I never see their posts anymore. A lot of people that I start following recently, I see their posts next day. But then next week, never see their photos. You know, I just, I never see, I just only see the top famous people that Instagram thinks I really wants to see. Those are the ones that they pop up first. And then... I'm I'm already bored here, and I get out. And uh, if you try to go to the stories, good luck seeing anything besides ads. Yeah. I mean, the amount of ads on Instagram is is crazy. And then there, the algorithm is showing you whatever it wants to show you mm -hmm. to keep you looking at ads. Basically, that's why if you go to the explore page, is all reposts from TikTok because those people f who use TikTok figured out that they need to tease you to the last minute of the TikTok to reveal whatever they're doing. And so they keep you watching. And then you go in there. It's just like TikTok, TikTok. TikTok. I, like, I could have just opened TikTok if I wanted to see TikTok repos. <laughs> it's just, 
Instagram is a mess recently. So this is this is what I've been experiencing. This is what a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, on the chat, there's a big conversation about this. Uh, CB was saying the Instagram CEO said that it's not a photo sharing platform anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that they're going to focus on other products, like, I guess, small reels, bit reels and IGTV and videos and yeah. stuff like I- that. IGTV is never going to happen. Here's like, yeah. there is no way they can compete with YouTube. And, uh, you know, I mean, Vimeo tried and there you know uh aimbot is saying twitter is for politics and edgy opinions not pictures that's actually not true no like it has changed a lot twitter also now uh you can put up to four pictures in every post and uh, um, tweets with pictures do 10 times better than tweets without pictures and really the way that the interaction between people can happen on twitter is so much better for photography Mm -hmm. as well and there is a lot of photographers moving to twitter now that are getting follows of like on the thousands of people within five six months just by being engaged and talking to other photographers and getting into the conversation so i think it's a pretty good option i mean the other day we i opened twitter and i'm following ilford and they retweeted a photographer that uh, did a uh, a trichrome uh, image and I already w- I've, I've shared it on the server before it looks exactly like the one that I took of Eva if anybody of y- you have seen it it's Eva three times and on different trichrome channels the, I'm not going to go into explaining what it is it's just a weird technique they that posted very it good photos. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I had a very similar photo and then I just left it there in the comments yeah, and then you just can reply to it, and y- then you can reply with pictures, and it's so cool because it's different than the comments. The, the thing is that every tweet individually has its potential to be shared and be seen. It's not the same thing as when in Instagram you have a, a post and then people comment on it. Those comments are never shown no. unless you go to that photo and you want to read. And don't get me started yeah. on Instagram comments, it's basically all bots and spam. It, it's all. BS. unbelievable it's bs yeah everything. yeah i mean just even if it's real people it's completely no, 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 lost yeah. of meaning whenever you start getting followers yeah. it, you lose all the people in the comment section it's all bots they get lost go yeah. go to any of joe rogan's posts you know just go and like go in the first second sometimes i open instagram and i see like he posted something two seconds ago Six thousand bots already commented on it so if any yeah. human said anything i'm not gonna reach it yeah that's true yeah it's, it's Instagram very, is officially broken. Is that? I should give a Twitter. Uh, yeah, a I think I think you will like it. Said uh, it's. I haven't it's been there. I haven't been on Twitter for years. It's 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 weird how it slipped our mind all this time because Twitter literally has everything. It has all kinds of communities, you know. Yeah, it has everything. And it, there's all, all 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 sorts of people and very influential people as well yeah. in many cases. Uh Charlie's saying, What about OnlyFans? They are steering away from no safe for work and want to cater to actually artists like the platform was made for. I think for that but Patreon is actually a similar thing to OnlyFans where a lot of artists are there yeah. as well. But it's a different concept. It's not just a social media. It's more of a product type I, of thing. I think OnlyFans ha- had a bad reputation at this point beyond repair. They yeah, need, to make, they they need repair. to make a new product that is uh, not uh, tainted with that reputation. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Patreon, there's a lot of different ones. I've seen a lot of YouTubers using stuff like Buy Me Coffee or another Buy one called Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. But that these like these applica- even OnlyFans, I think all of these, you need to already have uh, yeah. people coming from somewhere else. There is no browsing feature, for example, on Patreon. Yeah. Like on Patreon, all you can see when you go to somebody's account 
It, it's I, it's I think who you not, are. Well, some of the artists that, that I follow, they actually put like some of their work. Yeah, like uh, some of like they would put a, a like a teaser type of thing, yeah. so people that. Uh, is not a Patreon of them. They will see it. But otherwise, you go into the Patreon, you see the thing that, that the people you are yeah. subscribed to or like paying But there is, no, there is no explore page. There's no explore page, you know. No. I don't think. I don't, so. I don't know. I, ha I haven't been using it so much, Patreon. But I don't think there's an, a I prominent... I follow some artists. Yeah, that me I too. But I, o I only go and see the people that I follow. Yeah, yeah. But I can't see, like, you might also like this. No, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't remember that, at least. Yeah. But anyways, I Instagram think Instagram is dead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Twitter, Twitter is. Give Twitter it a try. Let us know what happens and uh, follow, well, follow us. Follow, <laughs> follow the three of us. Everybody, share your Twitter in the chat, and we'll all follow each other. Exactly. How about that? <laughs> I'll give it a try. I'm kind of curious now. Yeah. The thing is that I, I have here a conundrum. Like, if you had Twitter and you have used it for some other thing, for for example, my personal Twitter is my personal Twitter. But since I had it since two thousand nine, I have a lot of things about science and science communication, which is what I do for work mostly. So I have not really tapped onto photography. So a lot of the eight hundred people that already follow me, sometimes they might be like, "Why is she posting about right?" Because they follow <laughs> me because they like my psychom work or something like that. So yeah. I mean, it's a bit of like a game of like maybe you see, maybe you lose some people, maybe you gain some new. So yeah. It depends if you're already active or not. But if you're not, yeah. why not start? See what happens. True. Hmm? So I think we that was like a very, very big detour. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, true. it's part of... I, 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 to be honest with you, I messed up. And I didn't open the, the outline PDF for uh, the open show. Open it now. Uh, you open it now? No, but I, do you have it open? <laughs> no, it's... A, it's a, yeah. I, uh, so I, ca can you uh, put us... I think... Um, yeah, we're, we're pretty much at the last last part with the beginner's perspective. I think, like, if we want to uh, uh, to go back to uh, summarize a bit mm -hmm. what uh, what someone from from the per perspective of someone coming is starting photography and is being bombarded with um, a lot of information, most of it not helpful. Mm -hmm. um which is about gear about the goals they need to attain etc and i think that's that's where that's an important part um of uh, that i'd like to finish on uh is that if someone comes into the server it says um it says i i need help but um and then shows you uh, an Instagram uh, feed of uh, some some person who's like really famous and has mm -hmm. like really tailored content that is showing products and 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 they want to to become that. What do we say to them? And yeah, simply uh, sim simply, what do they need to know? And it's it's not always a pleasant conversation to have either for us or for, or for them on that side um you know yeah it's, it's definitely difficult because it's like because in they're not necessarily seeing it clearly and anything that you try to say opposite of that makes you the enemy you know so it's it's hard to 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 approach somebody it's like you know it's like if, if you're a fan of football and you like a specific team you know there is no real connection between you and team you know they don't know who you are they know they have millions of fans but they don't know you personally and they don't really 
care about you personally being a fan of them they appreciate the fandom right mm-hmm. but if if you come and talk to me and tell me yeah but your team is not really good i'm just i'm gonna you know we're gonna fight <laughs> you know <laughs> we're gonna fight it's like it's a it's like it becomes um outside of logic per- yeah you know what i mean and i think it's the same way when you are so enamored by somebody's work and you think that's the only way to do things and then you want to emulate it so so i i think the most like ideally the most important part in that conversation is to extract that is to peacefully extract the fact that yeah there are different styles and you know you can develop your own mm-hmm. uh, i think that's the first uh, idea that somebody should realize that they 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 could be that person they could have their own style and people would look up to it and say oh i wish my photos looked like that uh, we're all human it just depends on how much work you put into it how much uh, stuff you learn and if you want to be like that someday well maybe the easy way is not the right way because whoever is selling you these presets they had to work hard to make them and to establish a following that eventually you heard about them and now you want to make your photos look like them i mean if we look at okay i'm I'm gonna go back here for a second to the slides Uh, we also have some additional slides here so these are basically uh instagram profiles from maybe some famous people i uh, i think this is uh, peter mckinnon right not not this one uh this wait, one. oh this one wait. yeah that's yes. him yeah, yeah yeah sorry i didn't see his small on the zoom all right yeah. so yeah it's peter mckinnon uh, let's talk about this for a second okay these photos uh they there's a few things to notice here uh first of all there's a a style not just in the edit it's a cohesive there's a vibe where yeah. there is recurring themes there's red like look at it all of these photos are almost completely desaturated you Except have red shoes red, yeah. you have the tower that is lit up in red you have a red truck you have a red background you have red flare see do you have red light on the building brake lights that is in like uh flowing even in, in this one this person with a motorbike and they're wearing red so there's an overarching theme if you take one photo in isolation it will not necessarily be as dramatic some of these photos photo yeah, some of these photos are better than other others and they, uh, obviously he knows how to use a camera he knows what to do with it he's been doing this for a long time so if you i don't know if he's selling presets or not again i'm not i don't follow mm-hmm. peter mckinnon i've seen some of his videos he seems like a real nice guy uh but i just don't like uh, you know anyways let's not talk in t- about that uh, so uh a lot of this work is being done by somebody who knows what they're doing and they're applying these things to it the same with this guy look yellow everywhere yellow orange and of course they add the teal to it because that's the fame like the popular stuff nowadays is adding it's a, it's a trend yeah. indeed clearly but again you see there's a theme of these like close-ups with wide angles so there's a cohesive thing in not the only in editing but also in yeah. the way that is shot and in the, the w- type of photography these i exactly. i can tell you that these like this for example you see the water there with this this is not a this is not your 
you know your cousin's camera who he's not using and he gave it to you this is expensive glass this is an expensive like powerful sensor with like uh, they there a lot of things go into making an image the way it looks and regardless if you like this image or not i'm not gonna comment but i'm just saying there is a lot of work that is being done to these photos it's not just the presets that makes them what they are here we have a third one yeah as, as you said they're they're very carefully crafted and carefully planned and uh and and i think that the the preset business that's that's where it gets uh dishonest is on the one side what beginners don't see is that these images require a lot of skill and experience to uh, to be able to to make that way and to edit uh, edit that way and what's being sold is that you can be that in just one click and that's what i take issue with is and and people blindly buying into it um but otherwise like i mean like there's nothing to say in either direction about about the, the picture I, I have nothing uh negative to say about these these pictures i mean in, in yeah. any way what i what i want to do is take a bit of height and look at the whole picture with the whole business that that's on the side and what type of damage that it can bring in hurdles that it, it raises uh for for beginners mm -hmm. um and um yeah that's that's the and that's also as you mentioned because of the fandom and that social media creates that fandom which was it always has been there but maybe to a lesser extent uh, but that also makes discussing about these things really hard because people will defend their team as you said like uh, very bitterly yeah it's true so i think it's important to uh, uh and again, these things, they come from like experience, from talking to people, from seeing different types of work. And what I, these things, what I mean by when I said these things, I mean the understanding of the complexity of the situation. And uh, if, if you, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say this. It's like, uh, it's, you know, it's funny when somebody like uh, criticize your photos, but they, their photos are worse than yours. I've said so, I've heard somebody say that, and this this statement, or besides being very egoistic, I would say that it's uh, also um, very f f flawed in the logic of the fact that the taste in photo is not something um, objective. Like there is no absolutely beautiful anything. Uh, it's just to different things are beautiful to different people and that's the thing about art uh, if you a lot of people look at abstract art for example and they're like what is this a five-year-old can draw this and other people would look at it and be mesmerized uh, we can talk about music the same way there is so many different genres of music why why have you ever met like somebody who's really 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 into pop and also really 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 into death metal <laughs> like it can happen maybe but it's very rare you know different there are different styles different tastes in life uh same with everything whether it be music whether it being food a lot of people can't take can't take spicy food and other people won't eat anything without a, a ton of you know mm -hmm. hot sauce on it so 
we're they, it's important to understand that we're different it, yeah. and i feel like um a lot of us who've been here on the server for a while and a lot of the team that helped organize the whole thing um are aware of the differences it just happens sometimes that people come from different camps where we might have been in the past at least i i mean i'm not officially like a staff member <laughs> in terms of like the organization but i make jokes about different styles and different stuff like that but it's jokes it's inside jokes um but i would i would say this it's it's important to be open-minded and accepting but it's also as a beginner it's important to understand that if you came into this field uh, with a certain point of view and you have researched it really hard uh, it's important to realize that you only scratch the surface and this is general like it's a good f advice about photography art or any profession you're going into or life in general uh, you never stop learning it doesn't matter how much experience you have it doesn't matter how much you've lived it doesn't matter how old you are uh, that has nothing to do with anything the only the only constant is uh, there is nothing constant <laughs> you know so you never stop learning people never. are creating new stuff everywhere there's so many of us in the world so just be happy that you're here to be amazed every day and yeah. learning stuff yeah i mean in the terms here if we're talking to beginners and stuff and we're looking at these influencers or these people and the, that kind of i'm not gonna say brainwash but somehow it feels like they brainwash some people about editing it. and editing it's like narrow view so what what i think beginners should have in mind and should think when you see like for example let's say you see one of these uh, profiles that we were looking at now mm -hmm. and you are whoa like i love it i love these photos you, first you need to realize that you are seeing a whole product being sold to you which is not only a single photo but is as you were saying how all the photos fall together and the brand that they're selling you right but let's say okay i really love it right and i want to take photos exactly like this i want my photos to look exactly like this the next thing you need to realize is that your photos or the things that you really like photographing might not fit well with that kind of editing mm. so you have to be critical with yourself it's like why do I like this? Does it fit with the photos I want to take or it doesn't? And ultimately think that if you just want to take photos like someone else, you are really not creating anything new. You are copying something, which is not a wrong thing at the beginning because you need to learn how things are done and you need to learn about yourself and what you like doing. But if that's your goal, you are not really going to get anywhere else after mm -hmm. that. So have imitating as your first approximation to photography. Steel preset. A steel preset. That's how you make your and own. Then, That's how you learn. And then, and then see what is it that really fits what you want to do and the kind of photography you like taking. And you evolve constantly and you will evolve your editing. I look at some of my photos from some time ago and I'm like, what was I thinking? I really don't like this this doesn't look good to me anymore. Back then I was like, oh, I'm the best. I really love this that I created. And now I'm like, you know, now I feel like editing my photos this way feels more in tune with how I'm feeling, how I was feeling taking the photo and things like that. So I think, as Jimmy was saying, be open-minded and don't really buy into what people are trying to sell you. Although those you can use as a, as a baseline mm -hmm. to, to get to know yourself, which is ultimately what you want. Yeah, this uh, this also applies to uh, to gear as well. The amount of <laughs> uh, uh, inner wars like uh, we see between like uh, 
different brands and different types of cameras, even uh, DSLRs, mirrorless, uh, Canon, Nikon, Fuji, the the whole uh, the whole thing. Um, it's it's the it's the same, and I I think it's a bit different, but uh, the, the 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 system in which it works is the same. It's to make money. It's to sell stuff, and so they will. Uh, they will push newer cameras very easily because they need you need to buy this you absolutely need this we just change three little things that are won't do anything about the pictures you're taking because it's the same sensor that's in the camera but you absolutely need this new model and 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 so on and so on so there are people who change their cameras every year every two years um you should know that if you buy secondhand something that's five-year-old if it's a 24 MP, maybe you lose some uh, some features. You won't be able to, to shoot in, in low light condition as easily. But the pictures you'll get will still be pictures that you can do anything professional with them. So uh, so that's another type of, of trap. That's a bit. It, it's another discussion, but it's the same system. We are in this. We are working in this, the same uh, system where what what's being presented to you is not the full full picture. Mm -hmm. I, I think you brought up a really cool point uh, about gear and think about this. Think about the most iconic photos ever taken and realize that they're still iconic and realize how old the cameras that you <laughs> that were used to take these photos are. So like whatever iconic photo, you know, uh, you, we can start naming classic photographers. It doesn't matter. The camera, the gear does not matter. Pick something that you like, pick something that you're comfortable with, explore, see what you can afford. As long as you can afford it and start shooting. If you want to save up because you really like something, fine, but just don't get too hung up on the gear, especially with your first camera. It and it ties in, uh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it ties in with the editing, actually. Mm -hmm. It's because people don't know that editing is super important and they expect their sensors and the camera to do all the job for them. And so it's it's two worlds and it's not, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that it's the influencers and the type of advertisement that the brands are pushing on social media is because those two systems evolve and they're on a feedback loop each other like i'm going to show this and i'm going to show super cool pictures i took with this camera but you won't know the amount of edit editing that's being put on it exactly. and so it serves the brand who's like oh yeah cool my new camera look what it does you love it buy it and it, it is just on and on and on and so that's what i yeah it's it's just uh it's just very dishonest uh it's not dishonest because you're supposed to know, but I just, I guess I want to educate people on that. Just realize we're living in a system where uh, people are meant to buy what's being produced. Otherwise, everything crumbles. I, I have to say something about a lot of people consume their, you know, information about this from YouTube, from different online magazines. I just want you to know that a lot of these people, they receive those cameras for free, uh, sometimes to keep, but a lot of times they return them after the fact. And I can tell you this, hand me any camera, like it doesn't matter when it, when it came out, just right now, put in my hand any camera that I've never touched before and watch me gush about it, watch me go 
so be so fascinated with all the cute little things and details and the different way it does things i'm i swear one time we bought a broken camera from a secondhand store we tested it and we know it was broken and i still bought it because it had the coolest focusing screen i've ever seen it was a it was the practical as well yeah. it's just I've, I've seen so many different focusing screens and what i mean by focusing screens when you're working with an slr the light comes in the mirror and hits a a, a frosted glass mm -hmm. and in That's old the one where you focus yeah and in old cameras they there used to be a focusing assist in the middle so sometimes it's like a, a circle that splits and you have to align the lines and sometimes it's a a glass that is more frosted or more like it has crystals in it and when the clear, uh, crystals disappear it it's means focused. you focused that one had all of them combined together and they were rotated it was so cool really it was so cool. and you know i could make so many videos and write articles about the amazing focusing screen that existed i mean i came in here in the server i think i was telling desi who was just was here uh, about that I, I asked him because i know he has a similar one i was like do you have the same focusing screen it's so amazing <laughs> so like we are all geeks about this stuff and i'm again i'm playing devil's advocate here i'm not saying that this thing is happening because of pure deception all the time not necessarily these people are camera geeks just like you and me and everybody is in this room and if you give them if you give any of us a camera that we've never seen before we're gonna be hyped about it you know that's okay. the real fun thing. It's the duality between like knowing that you buy into like, I don't need it, but it's so fun. And, but you need to reach a point where you understand what you're doing and you're deciding that, okay, I'm going to buy into it. And I'm not, I'm not just receiving something that is held as a truth. And I, I don't know because I, I, I lack the experience to know. But yeah, we, it's very enjoyable to be able to acquire new gear and be like, yeah, I'm excited to use it. And, and it can, um, as Zivi said in the, in the chat, can it, acquiring new gear can sometimes get you out of a creative rut. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I have a new tool and a new, I, I need to rethink. Your brain needs to rewire to how to use it. And it can just push you into being more creative. But for beginners, clearly, be mindful of the the marketing behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's clear. And you know, uh maybe get something like this to if you're in a creative rut and just use it. It doesn't do anything. It just has one button. It doesn't do anything. It just has one button that you take you take a picture. It does everything. That's why it does It does everything one for you exactly. <laughs> you don't do had anything. A, it's yeah, this a lot of fun with disposable cameras uh -huh. too. And they still they still sell them and they some little places I think I don't don't know but some stores still have them. Yeah, yeah, and they do. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and there are actually more companies making now semi-disposable, which yeah. is a super easy cameras that come already with one film roll and then you can actually put more film roll in them if you want. You don't yeah. have to throw them away. Yeah, they're reusable, disposable. Reusable, disposable. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, because one of, I think you one time made a video about a really cool tip that I really like uh, is uh, when you had a, I think you had a tape uh, yeah. and you, you say like sometimes like you can take this thing out with you uh do you like have a, some some uh, a, a framing tool yeah, anything framing could tool. do it with a lens hood anything basically i Just do it with my hands i stand like 
like like a Hollywood douchebag in the street doing this. Uh, <laughs> I swear I, that that's what I do because <laughs> I I realize that if I do this, uh, I, when I first started, I only had one lens. It was uh, still have it the 90 millimeter Tam, uh, Tamron uh, macro, and I was shooting everything with a macro lens. I thought to myself, it's a 2.8 90 millimeter, so it has okay low light capabilities. It has macro. And I can do street with it. I can do landscape with it. I can do everything with it. Doesn't matter. It's not a landscape lens or anything, but I can still take the shot. Any other lens that is not macro is not gonna give me macro. So, you know that was that was my thinking at the time. So I got that that lens and I was shooting everything with it. And I realized that if I do this at full extension with my hands, that's exactly the frame that my lens will show me. So you can you can find basically if you have one lens. You can find whatever frame at full extension, like full hand extension, gives you the same view of the world. Mm-hmm. And then you're, and maybe if you're using a wide angle, you have to put it here. I mean, do some testing and figure out, put your camera on your eye and then see where the frame matches it. <laughs> and then memorize that. And then whenever you're going around, that's your lens. That's like a potential picture to be taken. And it's like, look, look. Sometimes I just bring the camera up to my eye and look around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another tips since we're on the subject uh, subject if you want to like see the photo before you put the camera to your eye close one eye yeah that's true because you lose the 3d perception that you won't have with your camera yeah such a good tip right is there any questions in the chat uh no they were talking about gear because you guys started so now they're like, how did we get about i gear. think i think they st- they, s- they started it in the chat and now we we fall fell in the trap maybe Uh, yeah, they're just like, uh, yeah, CB saying that getting a new lens will really put her out of a creative rut. And they're talking, yeah, Charlie was asking, isn't it loaning len- leasing gear a better idea? And then CB was like, well, it depends a lot. I have to say, I have loaned gear just because if you want to test something and you mm-hmm. don't know if you want to buy it, it's a very nice idea. Of course. Especially when they're so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a question here. Cool. Tips for finding your own style. Uh keep doing it you know just do 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 and then see what you like uh we talked about this i think last uh, episode is that you can uh go to your library and uh, i think zivi had the tip or that you can uh, you can isolate the photos that you've taken with different things yeah, uh, with, with different, different uh, focal lengths length, so. uh, i don't know how much you can kind of um Uh, isolate in the search because what's in the picture is also different but like you can find your your favorite focal lengths by doing that so if you can filter focal length and see which which ones you enjoy the most of the ones you take in and then you know okay i like my work in the 50 i like my work in the 85 i like my work in the 28 and then do more of that uh, see what you like to shoot where do you shoot without thinking where are you flowing Like, where are you not completely lost and just in the moment with your camera? What are you doing then? Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, it's it's doc- documentary and street. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a street, uh, the traditional way. I will also take, like, minimal stuff when I'm outside. So I'm noticing these small corners of the world. Uh, it could be just a few lines or a chair or a shadow or anything. That's me. That's how I enjoy it. Uh, I like to abstract stuff. You know, I, I feel like the scene is too real for my 
sensation of it, for example. Mm-hmm. So I shake my camera around with a slow exposure and I get like a, a fuzzy imprint of the scene. So how did I know that? I looked at a lot of people's work yeah. and I found that, oh, this is beautiful. How do I make this? Mm-hmm. So I've seen this guy who does a lot of impressionism with his camera. He moves the camera around uh, as he takes the photo and I wanted to learn that. So I started going out and practicing. Uh, I didn't really think of like Googling how to do that. I just kind of like reversed engineered it in my head. And maybe that's not how he's doing it, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I figured out a way. Uh, and so watch stuff, study other photographers' work, yeah, try to imitate whatever you like, and then practice, 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 practice. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, analyzing, as I said before also, understanding what you like and being like being analytical of yourself like oh this thing i like this thing i don't like and then trying to understand why do i like it how do i make it how do i include it in in the things that i find attractive and uh, that i want to capture in my photography i think that's pretty useful what about you Seth? yeah i think on the more academic way of 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 doing it like uh, if you go to photography school to help you with that and also to help learn the technique, imitating is really one of the big, big ones. And uh, and you learn to know what you like and what you don't like. If you have to work in 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 a style that you don't like, you just say, okay, that's not for me. And being curious, that's very like if you see a new technique, you just want to okay, I want to try it. And if it doesn't click with you, you just can leave it on the side and say, okay, that that's not me. And it's basically. Yeah, what, what you all just said. And I, I think I'd like to add um, a little word of caution in, in that regard is uh, the uh, talking about the Dunning-Kruger graph. You know, the one, if we can, I, I don't know if you can pull really quickly pull a, a picture of, uh, of it from the, uh, from, from the internet, which it's is basically when you start, yeah. there will be that. You think you, you will, know a lot. But... Yeah, you will have a confidence, you will, reach once you get a bit of skill you reach like you, you think you um, can do anything and then you have to realize oh it's more complicated than this it's it's gonna be it's gonna take me a while to really get get good at this and um to find your style your style you only find when you're at the end i'm not sure i found my style I still feel like a jack of all trades and i'm not very happy we're we're where I am, but I'm much more happy than I was like 10 years ago. That's for sure. It's much, much more clear, but it's an ongoing process that almost never, never ends. And yeah, just be open-minded and just re- remind yourself, okay, there's a lot that we need to learn and I have all the time in the world to get there. It's, yeah. not, it's not a race. Mm-hmm. It took me 10 years to reach this point. <laughs> I'm right here right now. <laughs> I also feel like I'm a bit there. I mean, it depends on which things, but uh, um, yeah. I'm like. way too deep in the valley of despair. I love this graph. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just means that, yeah. When you think you might know a lot of something, there's a lot much more that you are yet to know. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Once you think you figured it out, double check that you're not here. <laughs> just double take, yeah. you know, see look down is that the valley of despair and then strap in and go, and go for it you know <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, like for you brought up a really good point, Cedric, uh, about the fact that try something and see if you don't like it. But I, I learned that the hard way that I'm not a portrait photographer. <laughs> you know, I'm, I hate it with all my heart. And I'm really trying hard to change that. Um, like I reached, uh, I, fi- I know, I knew a while ago and I, what I, what I reached is that, okay, it's not for me. I can't do it. I'm bad at it. And that's it. And I enjoyed my photography. Now that I'm taking photography more serious every, like with, with the passing time, I figured out, I know I'm bad at it. It's good to know that I'm bad at it, but maybe it's not good to, you know, maybe I want to do it. And I'm slowly saying to myself, okay, whenever you have the chance, practice. Whenever you have a willing subject to work with you, practice. Try to make them comfortable. Try to see them in a beautiful light. Try to set it up in a different way. And I'm still messing up. I'm still really bad at it. But I know that I'm practicing and I'm aware. I, I, will, I will not say, hey, I'll charge you this much for a portrait session because I ethically won't be okay with it. Because even if they like the photos, I don't care. I'm not happy with the photos. So, and that's me. Maybe I'm being too picky about it. But again, maybe you can learn something from my weird experience. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm in a regarding portrait. I'm in a similar place, and I'm I've been like I've been doing photography for like about the same time as you. I think like 15 years, some something like that. And and what's hard with portrait is the relationship, and as you said, making people feel comfortable and and finding while doing that, finding the right angles and the, the the right spot, and and just you know you're not good at it, but then you just, I just want to enjoy this. And maybe now that I have confidence in other areas, I'll just not try to be good. But if I can just become decent, that will be, uh, you, you kind of water down your, your expectations about yourself while you, you, you get a bit of experience. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I think my problem is? Uh, a lot of people, like uh, when they meet me for the first time, they're like, we always thought you're like, you were a mean person or like you hated us. You didn't like us. And I have, apparently I have a strong case of the resting bee face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't look pleasant at all if I'm not smiling. I never thought that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. People just think I'm the meanest person. I might still be a little bit mean, but uh, I, don't, they don't, I don't seem as jolly. Uh, if I'm thinking, if I'm concentrating, I look like... Yeah, maybe. Like, th- I mean, this is how I concentrate. brooding and or angry yeah i'm I'm very frowny when i'm concentrating so i noticed that that when i'm if i'm trying to have a portrait session and i look like this and i'm like no 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 no. turn your face that way they're like oh i must look ugly look at him the way he's looking at me is like i must be looking horrendous right now so i think is if i should wear a mask you know, like a wrestling mask and do a portrait session and see if it improves or not. Because I feel like whenever I'm taking photos of some somebody, it doesn't matter how calm I am. They're stressed out so much. Mm. And then when you do it, you're all smiles and they're so relaxed. When I look at them, they're like... Ah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's true. I use a lot of positive reinforcement. Even if I see something that I don't like so much, I'm like, yeah, you're doing great. What about if you move this way? Like, try to, you, you know, like, you just see me. Yeah, it, you so. take the photos even if they're not looking good yeah, until you get the good okay. one. Yeah, yeah. I will not click that shutter. 
I was like, nope, nope, nope. No, I'm holding the camera, not even pointing it at my face anymore. Like, nope, everything looks bad. <laughs> there is I, no I point. I think because also, you know, like working with people, it, there's, there is a, ch a good chunk of the session that is just warming up. Yeah. Like the beginning of the session photos are like, nah, maybe you get one or two that are okay. But it's about them feeling comfortable with them take, you taking photos of them. That's why I just keep shooting. And I try to move them around or just crack a joke, keep talking to them. And then, you know, things get better. And by the end, the photos are so much better. I think I told this on, on I don't know if it was on, on your channel or something in the comments or on, on, on a, pod, a previous podcast, but there was this, this story of one of my teachers was like during in the film days when they had someone over in the, in the studio, the first, they would do a first fake role oh. with no film in the camera. Nice. just to get through oh yeah nice yeah nice oh you're looking good and Is everything it? and then okay now i'll put a film in. <laughs> <laughs> i should i didn't that. know they did do that but that's kind of what i do with I, my digital <laughs> i should because that's the problem now i'm shooting mostly film and yeah, every awesome. every frame costs money you know yeah i like, understand that you don't just no, shoot that way the other day i was shooting four by five portraits and i'm like i'm just not gonna even care about the photos as long as i get my focus and then whatever is in the photo is in the photo i'm not gonna even try to direct them it's like no and i i i was happy with one of them i shot four yeah that's that's a good uh, yeah. good ratio good ratio yeah but For sure. yeah i was like stressing out so much to the point that i decided not to care anymore it's like it worked really, yeah uh, now that it, it makes me think about it like one thing i i did like shooting portrait with film is a great way to to improve to learn the mistakes because every mistake costs money and then <laughs> yeah def definitely but i'm getting people if you have a, an analog camera try it it's gonna cost you but i think uh, you're gonna get better quick yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna gonna do that uh, tip from your teacher shoot a fake roll and then start really shooting right how's it going in the chat uh now they're a little bit silent they were just talking about um yeah. Any any, uh, any questions? No more no questions that I can up. see here. Uh, do you think we missed anything, Cedric, that we wanted to talk about? I think we we spoke plenty about everything we had planned. So yeah. Yeah, I think it was it's an, a good one for for people, especially people starting and having a bit of mysticism around edit, editing. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's kind of do like a summary here. Summary. Yeah. Let's let's read because we derailed so much. It was really <laughs> fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. But let's kind of hone in, take it home. Uh Cedric, how about you? Uh give us like your you know take home messages. Yeah, take us home. Yeah, the the, the summary is summary. Uh when you are beginning, uh you have to you have to know that you're entering in this world with all the social media aspects and the communication around it it's it's a business and you have to be aware of it and you have to be aware that the pictures you see are edited sometimes heavily it takes time it's a craft it's hard it's i'm going to say if you're not super invested in it it's going to be boring to learn it's going to be a bit confusing at times but just stick with it and uh, and if you have that awareness of how the world works and that you realize that e editing is important and uh, you have to find your own way of editing because there are plenty of ways of editing you have to find the one 
that works for you, watch tutorials, whatever. If you have those, if you move with those two points uh, close to you, like investing time in learning and realizing uh, the economical aspects of the world, then you're going to do fine. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, what I kind of liked about the conversation that we had is the points that uh, we hit on when it comes to being honest about your work. Yeah. Uh, so own it. Um, maybe even mention it as much as you can. Uh, people will take you more seriously uh, if you're editing or if like if you're... So now we're talking about compos comp composites. So if you're compositing images... Be proud of it. Don't hide it uh, because it takes skills and, sh and you know, admit it to the world because people need composite pictures, yeah. you know. So flex that if you're good at it. And, uh, of course, you're going to start learning. You're going to get better and better. So I would say, yeah, you want to mention technical stuff about your photos? Go ahead when you're posting it on social media. I mean, the caption line is there for a reason. And if maybe you're looking for further work in whatever you're trying to get really good at that's a good way for people to hire you you can put it in the hashtags if you don't want to like put it in the text but at least people will know will have a reference point if you're a straight shooter like uh you know you're doing straight photography so like a photojournalist uh, type of stuff again promote it that way mention be honest about your work whatever it is be proud of it and you know we're all we're all learning all the time and uh you know uh I, I think that's for me that was the most important take yeah what about you um well what you guys mentioned was very important i think also for me the part is that when you're starting it's gonna take some time to find the way that you like to edit your pictures what what look do you want on your pictures it's not only about the composition and the thing that you shot but you, the addition how do they look it's gonna take some time to find out what it is that you like so you're gonna have to do a lot of trial and error there's nothing wrong to try to copy someone else's edit and see okay this i like it this doesn't fit with my picture maybe i like it a little bit more like this you have to really go out and do a lot of scraps in order to find the the final product that you like and then with time that product will also change and you have to be lenient with yourself it's like yeah, before this worked for me, now it doesn't work, now I want to change a bit, now this fits more my vision. And it's going to be a constantly evolving work all throughout your life as a photographer. Perfect. So, yeah. All right, so I think that's it. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us today. Hope you really had a good time. Thank you, Cedric. I really always enjoy our conversations yeah. together. We should Same do here. them more often. You're, you're going uh, on vacation for a while. But I think, yep. uh, when do you think we can maybe do a next episode? Uh, early September. Cool. No problem. Oh, cool, 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 definitely. Uh, right. So, everybody else, hope you have a, what is it today? It's Friday. So, it's hope Friday, you have a, yeah. have a nice weekend. Yes. Go out there, have some fun. I uh, think they're going to all be stuck in VC because they want to do a week-long VC non-stop. So, oh. I think actually after this, people are going to join that VC again in case you guys yeah, want to continue been, talking. Yeah, it's been running for, on three days. for three days now, our yeah. voice chat in the server. So, uh, hey, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast on cool. your podcast app, check the links. Come yeah. join us, share your photos. There's we always have, someone active. <laughs> by the way, did I mention we have a photo contest every, every, every how long? I'm, I'm every so bad week. at dates. Every, no, Almost it's not every, every other week. Every two weeks, every second week. Yeah. 
So uh, every two weeks there's a photo contest and uh, it's really fun and cool to participate. We all vote and have fun. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of different channels about editing, about feedback, about gear, even analog photography. Uh, come join so us on analog. Come yeah. join us. Let's have fun together with our photography. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs>